Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Open Mic Podcast. My name is Caroline, I'm a senior at Columbia University, and I'm so excited to be hosting this series where we'll be talking about school and life and everything in between. Each episode will feature a new topic and a different guest, and today I'm so excited to be introducing the amazing Taylor Richardson. Taylor, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Today we'll be talking about Taylor's amazing career as an actress and filmmaker, and I guess just an intro as to how we met. This was during finals week, fall 2021. Yes. <laughs> we had this like, for me it was, I found this opportunity by like a Facebook class posting that there was this opportunity to audition for a student film. Um, and so it was like submitting a tape and then getting called back for callbacks. Um, and that's where we met, so. Yeah, we were in person in an outdoor tent, uh, freezing, while doing this two-hour-long callback. <laughs> <laughs> and we started chatting, and I just thought, I was just so impressed, because your acting is so realistic, and it's so oh, good, because I, I'd never acted before, and you're like a, a veteran actress, is that? But I, but I give you such props for just deciding, why not? I'm just going to try it, see how it goes, and, and then there you were at the callbacks, doing a fantastic job. <laughs> Thank you so much, Taylor. And afterwards, I was following, I was like looking Taylor up on Instagram and followed her. And then I saw that you were literally on HBO. Is that is that right? That is correct. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and how that came to be? Sure. Yeah. So I, well, my name is Taylor Richardson. I am an actor and filmmaker and I have been acting since a young age. Um, but I guess to skip ahead to the HBO thing, I auditioned for uh, this show called The Gilded Age through HBO about, gosh, two years ago now. It was 2019. And I auditioned for a role. It was originally supposed to be uh, for a Swedish character. And I said, well, I can't do a Swedish accent, so I'm going to do an Irish accent and hope for the best. And The Gilded Age is a historical drama uh, by creator Julian Fellows, who made Downton Abbey, if you know it. I am a huge Downton Abbey fan, so I was just excited to even audition for this project. And I went in, I did my audition. Luckily, they they bought the Irish accent, they liked it, and they made the character Irish for me. And yeah, so it's it takes place in 1880s uh, New York. So lots of fun New York history there. And it's sort of about the old money versus the new money and how in during that chunk of time, it was sort of like, well, anyone can climb their way up in the world. Um, and I play Bridget, who is an Irish maid in one of the households. And yeah, so I've, I've been working on that since. We kind of got put on hold because of the pandemic and then resumed and it's, yeah, so that was really, really fun. That's so amazing. And I, that, this is not your first time acting because you debuted on Broadway, right, in 2012? Yes, that is that is right. This was for Annie and you were you were playing Annie? I was, yeah. It was it was crazy. That was sort of my first real acting experience. Did you did you always enjoy acting or did you always enjoy performing or singing since a young age? I I think I was about 3 apparently when I said to my mom I want to take dance lessons. And so I I danced until I was about 10 like competitively and then people were like oh you should act you should do that people just sort of like pushed me in that direction I was like all right I guess um, and then I I went to an open call for Annie in New York it was my first time in New York City and 
you know, there were girls wrapped around the block. It was hundreds of kids auditioning for it. And I went for fun for the experience. And then months of callbacks later, I ended up being cast. It was wild, very unexpected and led me to move to New York and get an agent and start auditioning all that jazz. Wow, that's really amazing. And where did you where did you move from to New York? I, I grew up in Virginia. Oh, wow. Okay. In rural Virginia, like grew up next to a farm in the woods, you know? <laughs> so I went from living in the middle of nowhere to like a tiny one bedroom apartment. Big shift for, for a 10 year old. <laughs> wow, that's, that's so amazing. You must have matured really quickly then, right? Definitely. Like for better or for worse, I think I, I had to grow up kind of fast because of that. Mm. Was there any, were your parents there to, to help you or were you? Kind yeah. Of- so I, I moved up to New York with my mom and my little brother. He was about three or four at the time. Um, and then eventually my dad also moved up once we realized this was more of a permanent uh, shift. And, you know, they are not involved in the arts whatsoever. Um, <laughs> my mom is a counselor and my dad runs a small business you know, not at all in this world, but they, they get it and they, they know it's important to me and they were willing to just sort of uproot life to make it happen. That's so awesome to have such a supportive system back home. Absolutely. No, I, I don't know what I would have done without them. Yeah. And so how did you manage school? And so now you're at Columbia. So how did you like manage that entire thing? Yeah. So when I, when I moved to New York and was starting Annie, I did homeschooling and online schooling. And I was planning to just do that for the chunk of time in which I was doing the show uh, because I assumed I would move back to Virginia afterwards. This did not happen. I ended up living in New York since then. Um, And I continued to do homeschooling and online schooling through all of high school. And when it came to college, I I think I've always known that I wanted to go to college. Um, I love learning and it just, it felt like something that was just, it had to happen. Now I had a lot of people say to me, you know, you don't really need to go to school to be in the profession that you're in. You can just, you know, you're already in the workforce. You're already in in the, you've got a foot in the door. Um, And that was definitely something I considered because I was like, I don't want to waste my time for sure, or just do something unnecessary that'll set me back. But I, I ultimately, I knew that I wanted to go. So I applied. Um, I, I'm a student through the School of General Studies at Columbia, uh, which is, if you don't know, for atypical students. And um, it ended up being the perfect fit because I can be part-time. I They understand that I don't have all the typical grades or a GPA to show for from high school because that just wasn't my experience. Um, and once I, I graduated high school in 2019, graduated high school, I'll say marks. Um, <laughs> but I did, you know, I took my passing tests and everything. Uh, and then I, I took two gap years where I was working and I was, I got really into filmmaking in that chunk of time. And like during my senior year, I figured out that that was really the thing that I loved. Um, and then when I felt ready, I was like, all right, time to apply. Might as well. And I was shocked that I, I got in and, but here we are. <laughs> That's so amazing. I mean, you were on Broadway, so I'm sure that uh, you were like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if an Ivy League cares that I've been on Broadway. I don't know. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So are you doing full-time studies now? Yeah, I'm currently, currently full-time. Um, I foresee that I will probably have to be part-time at some point. 
Uh, so I, I know that my time at Columbia is probably going to be more than four years, but I've, I'm prepared for that. I'm, I'm expecting it. Um, luckily, my work, I was working over the summer on another HBO show actually called The Time Traveler's Wife. And that kind of crossed over with the start of school. And for a chunk of time, that was, that was tough because I would have to you know, email my professor and be like, hi, I've got a bit of a situation here. <laughs> I cannot come to class. I can't go. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, you can take it up with HBO. <laughs> but luckily, everyone you know, was incredibly understanding. And it ended, I think, in September. We finished filming that. So it, it worked out. But yeah. I was looking up some of your other like movie credits. And I came up on Slenderman, Rise, <laughs> Jack of the Red Hearts, 18 to Party. There is so many. Can you yeah. <laughs> tell us a little bit more about those? Sure. So once I finished Annie, that ended, that went from 2012 to 2014. Um, I was just in New York. I had agents and then I, they were like, all right, time to start going out for film and TV stuff, which was very new to me. Um, acting was baseline pretty new to me. I'd never been in acting class. I was just sort of learning on the fly. Um, and yeah, I, I ended up doing a handful of indie movies and working with a lot of wonderful people. I, I felt really lucky that I had the opportunity to work with um, multiple female directors and producers and DPs and writers. Like, I think that really had an impact on me um, at a young age, just to be like, oh, I see myself in these people. Like I, that's totally something that I could pursue and that I'm capable of. Um, which is why representation is so important. Uh, but yeah, so Slenderman, which is kind of a running joke at this point, like <laughs> it's Slenderman. Why was I in the Slenderman movie? I don't know, but it did happen. Uh, vague fever dream memories of that experience. But <laughs> well, that's so that's so fun. I mean, this sounds like such an adventure that you've been on for a decade so far. Yeah, it's it's weird to say that it's been a decade because I, I think I started when I was about nine or 10 and I'm 20 now. So half your life. Yeah, half my life. It's it's really strange. <laughs> Do you have any advice maybe for people who are up and coming actors or filmmakers on how to manage everything? I, well, I think uh, uh, maybe not a flaw, but a challenge I run into is I'm very much a person who wants to have it all. I want to say yes to everything. I want to be doing everything. I don't want to miss out on any opportunities. That can't always be sustainable. You really have to make sure to take time for other things and prioritize and just take a breather every once in a while, um, which is still advice that I am learning to take. Uh, and I, I think a really important realization for me, actually, you know, having been doing this for so many years and it's such a part of my identity, really was figuring out how to separate myself a little bit from my work because my work is obviously what I love. It is the thing I love most, but at the same time, I have to be okay as an individual without that. Um, so I think learning to put my worth in other places than just my career was really important. Like you're, I mean, and this goes for any career I feel like, but especially with actors where it's, it's so personal constantly and, and the rejection feels very personal you have to have a good sense of self and, and really appreciate other things in life beyond your job. Like it can't be your everything. And that was, that was a hard pill to swallow. I think when I was around 16, 17, I really had to, I had to learn that. And I'm so much the better for it, but it's not easy. It's not easy to remember that. 
That's so important. And I was going to ask, like following up on your point that rejection feels very personal, how do you develop, I don't know, what's it called? Like thick skin? Or how do you develop the, the resistance to that? I think, I mean, it's like you'll go out for 20 auditions and you'll hear back from one of them. You know, based a lot of times it isn't even a rejection. It's just you never hear anything. Um, and I think you, you just, you have to go into the room, do what you can and then let it go. Forget about it if you can pretty much, um, which, which is tough. And it takes, I mean, it's taken me years to just get used to that habit of doing the work and letting it go. And because at a certain point it is out of your control, you can be really prepared. You can be really talented. You can be really dedicated and yet you're still not right for something. And I think a lot of it is learning to not take it personally either. It could be because you've got the wrong hair color because you're the wrong height for, for any number of reasons, you know, you might end up not being cast in a role and you've just got to accept it and be like, all right, when the right thing comes along, the right thing comes along and that, that will happen. So I love that um, your HBO show casted you and actually changed the expectation yeah. for the accent for you then. <laughs> I also showed up and I think I was a redhead and I did an Irish accent. They were like, oh, easy. Makes sense. <laughs> that works. Also, historically, it didn't make sense because there were a lot of Irish uh, servants in households during that chunk of time. Do you have any pre-show rituals that you do or pre-filming rituals? I know like high school musical with the Sharpay, like the, the ma, ma, ma. <laughs> um, that, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> um, I think, I think a big thing for me is just feeling grounded before a performance of on stage, on screen, anything is just really making sure you are present and like feeling in your own body and, um, something I do is I'll listen to music that makes me think of, reminds me of the character, puts me in the right mood. Um, or, and then sometimes it's just like talk with your fellow actors, feel connected to them, especially if you're about to go do a scene with them. Just remember like, oh, right. There's a human in front of me who I'm, I'm talking to and I'm listening to and I'm connecting with. I think that's pretty important. I was, I was watching over winter break so far, I spent a week watching Schitt's Creek and- Oh, love Schitt's Creek, fantastic. Yeah, and like, I think there's a huge emphasis on wardrobe too and how that helps you yeah. go into character. Is that true for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even for auditions, I will try to dress the part because it it puts me in that mindset. It's like, it's funny. I, I actually wrote in my final essay of the semester on like acting and masks for my philosophy of art class. Um, I don't have my grade bike yet. It could be terrible. But generally, I, there was a point where I talk about how, you know, like a modern form of masking is costumes and makeup and even the way you physically move your body. Um, so costumes definitely make a difference. I mean, for, for Gilded Age, I'm in a corset and a bustle and stockings and, and multiple underskirts. And it's, it's, I mean, it puts me into the character for sure. I have to, you know, have a really good posture. It changes the way that I move. It changes the way that I breathe. And it, it might feel restrictive, but also that's kind of a good thing because it, it puts me in that mindset of where the character is at, the kind of life that she leads. Um, so costumes, definitely very uh, important. Wow, that's so that's so interesting. It changes the way that you breathe. I feel I I wouldn't have. Yeah. That. I remember I was in the fitting for Gilded Age, and they were they were fitting me for the corset, and they were like, "Yes, yeah, so it's gonna uh, it's gonna uh, 
rearrange your organs a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, pardon? Really? Is that, a, is that healthy? Is that an okay thing? Apparently it is. It was completely fine. Um, but <laughs> I'd like to take a second now to thank our sponsor for today, Ana Luisa. Ana Luisa is a New York-based jewelry brand focused on sustainability and affordability, starting at just $39. Right now, they're having a huge sale. Everything is 10% off. Last chance items are up to 60% off. So use the link in the description to access my favorite items. That's shop.analuisa.com slash openmicpod. And they are A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. And once again, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. New jewelry collections are released each Friday in small batches that are kind to the earth. And once again, everything is now 10% off and last chance items are up to 60% off. I'm currently wearing the Aura bracelet and the Felicia necklace and I highly recommend these two. They're so cute and dainty and they add just a little bit of pizzazz to your outfit. So be sure to use the link in my description to access my favorite items. I was also wondering, for someone who's been in acting, film, theater, what is the main difference between like on stage performance versus behind the camera and like movie shooting I mean I think on stage there is a kind of there's a different kind of like energetic presence that you have because it is I mean you've got the adrenaline of it it's happening right then and there you've got one shot you're in front of an audience they're seeing everything that happens I think there's a sort of magic to that um that is just not the same on camera like I I love filmmaking I love acting for you know film and tv but there is a kind of magic that comes with theater that is just different. Um, and I think your physicality is a lot more important for theater because you are taking up the space. Um, and I think for film, it comes down to a lot more of like really putting yourself in the character's shoes and really, really living the moment as it's happening um, as best you can. But also, you know, you have multiple chances. You can do another take. You are probably going to do the scene about 25 times because there's different angles that they have to shoot a bit for theater you're kind of leaving it all out there in one go that's it you can give your all and then you go home for film you'll be on set for 12 hours and you've got to pace yourself and you've got to know okay are we doing a close-up or are we doing a wide shot do I need to really cry and sob right now or can I wait because you will get burnt out very quickly it's happened to me many times it's a lesson that I keep having to learn mm. What does a typical day in your life look like if you were shooting, for example, for HBO or? Yeah. So typically, I mean, it, it depends on if it's an early, early morning. I think my earliest has been like a 4.30 call or something. <laughs> yeah. A.M. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been rough. And they'll, you know, have breakfast and then you'll go into the hair and makeup trailer. And usually you'll get um, a sh uh, clipped paper, like series of papers that are the scenes that you're doing for the day, uh, the sides for the day. And you'll go in, you'll usually rehearse the scene, then get into costume, go back onto set, and then you'll be filming. And it's depending on what the lineup is. Sometimes you'll be doing one scene all day. If it's a really big, like, you know, group scene with a lot of extras, um, or sometimes you go through like five scenes in a day or they get really ambitious and try to do more um <laughs> and we'll typically we'll have a lunch break and yeah but it's usually it's usually a full 12 hours obviously things have been a little bit different um because of COVID like you know you have to come in and you get your test first thing um in the morning and a lot of times you'll get tested a day before or two days before as well you we're wearing masks all the time unless we're filming even when we're rehearsing a lot of times we're, we're wearing masks the entire time 
uh, which has been a shift for sure, but ultimately just grateful to like still be working during an ongoing pandemic. Um, but it's exhausting, but it's wonderful. Like I, I always say it sounds cheesy, but like my favorite place in the world is on set. I just like in any capacity, I could be grabbing people coffees. It wouldn't matter. I'm just happy to be there and be around those people who are doing what they love. The energy I feel like must be really just like high. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think it has to be. I mean, when you're there for 12 hours every day and you're just, yeah, plugging along, I, I think you've got to love what you do and have that excitement to be there. Mm-hmm. Is it every day then if you're shooting a movie or shooting a, a show or do you get called back like certain days a week? I mean, the typically it depends what the project is for a movie. If you're like a main character, you're there every day for probably a month to two months minus weekends. Usually weekends are off. Um, for Gilded Age, it's such a big cast with a lot of moving parts. I was called in sometimes for like a couple weeks at a time. Then I'd have like a month where I only worked two or three days. It, it definitely varied. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I've, I'm always like very curious about the timeline of how movies get shot. Cause it, I don't know. I was like, I would imagine that it would take a very long time. And like, yeah, Gilded Age took like nine months to shoot in total. What is 10 episodes? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That is a long timeline then. It was a long time. <laughs> Partly because of the pandemic, everything got slowed down, but it was a long shoot for sure. What is the typical amount of time that it takes to shoot something like that? Usually it's it's six months roughly to shoot like the, a season of something, but yeah. So do you, when you're like memorizing lines or just in general, when you're memorizing lines, do you go day by day and like scene by scene? Cause it's a lot to remember, right? Yeah, I think typically once I get this full script for something, I will start going through it, start marking it up you know, adding a little footnotes for myself. Um, <laughs> and I luckily, I just have a skill for memorization so I can learn pretty quickly. I think usually I, I learn a good chunk of it before we actually start filming, but obviously you don't have to. And occasionally if it's like a, a heftier scene, I'll be like, okay, I know that I'm shooting this in a week. So I've got a week to really learn it um, and make sure that I'm completely off book and I know what my subtext is and I know what I'm thinking about and I know what the action is and all that all that stuff mm, that's so impressive oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're practicing do you practice with someone or do you usually just like talk in the mirror to yourself usually I think I I like reading a lot with someone because it's nice to have the rhythm of like another person speaking to you and knowing how to listen also just to know what your cues are listening to the other person um but I anytime I'm memorizing with someone be a a friend or my mom my mom's an angel she helps me memorize for sure uh uh, at some point I'll be like okay I need to go put the lines into my head which is just like I need to sit there with it by myself look at it repeat it a few times and then I'm like okay good great let's read the scene do you have any advice for people who want to be good scene partners like what should they do oh I think just really listening and being there for for the other actor um and even when the camera isn't on you give it as much as you can obviously you don't need to give a hundred percent but give it you know because it, it makes it helpful for the person who is having to perform uh in front of the camera 
I mean, I had one experience, I was working on this NBC show called Rise and my, someone, someone who uh, was in the show with me, his name is Ramian Newton. He's a wonderful actor, um, but there's a scene where I had to cry about his character because of some plot line. And he wasn't in this scene at all, but he showed up to set that day and he was just like there and he came and gave me a hug beforehand. He was like, I just thought I should be here. And it was so kind and thoughtful. And that really made an impact on me. I was like, man, I want to be that person for people um, because it made a difference. It made the scene so much easier to play. Mm, even the presence. Yeah. And just being like, oh, I saw your face today. That's so nice. That, that helps me just think about you as a person and think about the character and our situation. That's so sweet. That's yeah. very nice of him. <laughs> yeah. And Oh, this is a fun one. If you could play any character in any movie, who would you choose and why? Okay, I've got a few answers for this. <laughs> I don't know that I have a specific character. Um, I mean, I'd love to play Peter Pan at some point in any like film, TV, stage, any iteration. I would love to play Peter Pan. Um, but anything with pirates? I, I went through a huge pirate phase when I was about nine. I, I haven't left that phase apparently. So... <laughs> I was really into Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I would love to be in a pirate movie. Anything fantasy with magic. I'm, I grew up on Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and all of those books. So any of that would probably just, I could die happy. <laughs> How many auditions would you say you've been to during your entire life? Oh, Lord. Um, I mean, hundreds, I'm sure. Yeah, I, it's it's a lot I mean sometimes it'll be like months where there's only a couple auditions um and then other times it's like you got two or three a week and it's it's a it's exhausting it is, it is a lot especially if you've heard of like people talk about pilot season um which is where it's like all these new shows are you know creating their pilot episodes hoping to get picked up by networks and that is usually like January, February. And it's just, it, it is that time of like three auditions a week. And you're like, okay, how am I going to keep all these words in my head? I don't know, <laughs> but it's going to happen. Yeah, this is definitely, I was like seeing if we could compare this to like any other season, like final seasons or midterm seasons, but this seems like a lot more intense and just ongoing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, after undergoing my first uh, finals ever this, this winter, I don't know. I, I think I think finals might be more stressful. Maybe that's just because I've got more experience with with acting and pilot season and auditions and whatnot. But finals was stressful. <laughs> Are you taking mostly acting and filmmaking related classes? No, not at all. I I took um, one filmmaking class. Uh, this was also my first semester at school um, called Intro to Film and Media Studies with uh, Rob King. It's been, it's fantastic class, highly recommend. Um, but no, I mean, part, part of the reason I really wanted to go to school was because I love learning and I wanted to learn things that were outside of my line of work, outside of my profession. Like I'm, I took a philosophy class. I am excited. I'm planning on uh, having a minor concentration in uh, gender and sexuality studies. Like, I'm just, I'm excited to learn about anything and everything except for uh, math. My, the core math, I'm, I'm not looking forward to in the slightest, <laughs> but maybe I'll take something away from it, ideally. Except for <laughs> math. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and, oh, oh, I wanted to ask about 
you mentioned that you were you started off dancing and then acting and now you're kind of going into filmmaking yeah. so how did how did you find that you enjoyed filmmaking and want to pursue that yeah so I I think for a while I had people saying to me like you would be a good director and I kind of thought nothing of it I was also probably 13 or 14 I was like okay thanks <laughs> um but I think I was 16 or 17 um and there was a chunk of time where I, there was really not a lot of acting work happening and it was kind of that chunk of time where I had to reckon with like oh I need to figure out where I'm placing my self-worth and um you know, what matters to me and what can be within my control, because at a certain point, acting is so out of your control. Like I said before, you can go into the room, do a fantastic job and hear nothing back. Um, and I think I wanted something that I had control over and that I, you know, to be the captain of my own ship a little bit. And I kind of was like, all right, I should try writing things. I should try just to see what filmmaking is like. And then I, I started taking classes at this a uh, place in New Jersey called NJ New Jersey Film School. It's fantastic. If anyone is in New Jersey and listening to this, go to the film school, I guess. Um, you know, it was pretty much an extracurricular, but it completely shifted the way that I think about uh, film. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I directed a couple short, directed and wrote a couple short films. And I just realized I was like, oh, this is, this is it. This is the thing that I love. I'm wow. I didn't think I could love something as much as acting and yet I love this more. So I, yeah, and that just kind of became the thing for me. And going into college, I was like, I know that I want to continue learning about this side of things um, because I have all this sort of practical experience of being on sets and I've AD'd on an indie film and I've, I've made short films, but I wanted a lot more like the theory behind it and yeah, I just, I just kind of knew that this was, this was the thing. And I have so many, you know, directors and people who I've worked with, who I, who I just watch their films, who I look up to, especially female filmmakers. Um, so, yeah. From your directing mentors, or I guess just like filmmaking mentors, is there any, anything that you took away from their work or anything major that has kind of shaped how you approach it? Yeah. So hmm, lots of things. Um, I, I've also been really lucky to be able to, uh, have shadowed some of the directors that I've worked with, which is just entails like me going to set, um, for a day or a couple of days where I'm not working as an actor and I am quite literally the director's shadow. I follow, uh, them around and ask them questions and they explain what they're doing to me. And it, it was wonderful. Um, I think a couple big takeaways were, how to run a set, which I feel like people don't typically think about as part of the director's job, but it's like, yes, you are a presence on set. You set the tone for how that day is going to go, how the entire shoot is going to go, how the movie is going to turn out. Um, the way you treat people, the way that you rally people, um, whether you listen to them, it all matters because it affects the work everyone does. So if you, if you go in with a positive attitude and with kindness and willing to listen and, and learn from others as well, even though you are the director, I think you end up having a good project out of it. Um, and that I, and I think that's part of, you know, what's so intimidating about directing as well is like, you've got to have confidence enough in yourself that you can exude confidence enough for people to <laughs> because, you know, the whole, thing is kind of in your hands it is up to you whether this thing happens and if it happens well 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I didn't know that. So yeah, thank you for yeah, sharing. yeah. And I guess talking about the future and what you want to accomplish during college, after college, or in ten or twenty years, do you have a sort of roadmap or timeline that you're thinking about? I I don't know if it's a roadmap per se. I feel like it's a bit more abstract. <laughs> um, no, I mean I I. I I love acting. I'm going to continue acting so long as someone lets me. Um, but I, ideally I will also be, you know, making, making films and directing and writing. And I, I'm actually making a short film over winter break right now. And I made one this summer. I, I don't know, just like continuing to, to find people who are up for an adventure essentially, and to trust me and make things with me. Um, I mean, I've got a documentary I want to make while I'm at school. I've got a, a script that I'm meant to, I'm attached to as a director and I've got to try to pitch it to people who will give money to get it funded. Um, so it's all, it's a lot of learning for sure. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to have this chunk of time that is to a degree dedicated to just learning and being a beginner in so many things, because I think that's easy to forget when you feel like you're 20 and you know everything there is to know about life (laughs) you don't allow yourself the ability to fail and to mess up and to try again um so some yeah a lot of just reminding yourself that you are a beginner in things and I think I'll be doing that as you said for what's my plan for the next 10 20 continuing to be a beginner in things that's that's a really good way to put it and I know you're in GS but Dean Teeny in Columbia College, he always has this thing where he talks about beginner's mind. And even if you're an expert in something, always approaching something as if you yeah. were a beginner. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's not advice I really take very well, um, but I'm, I'm trying to day by day. Yeah. And talking about like your role as a director and writer, where do you get your inspiration from for the ideas that you want to develop? I think a lot of times it comes from me thinking about the stories I wish I had seen growing up. Um, representation is really important. I I remember watching, I don't remember what it was, um, but th- there have been a few, uh, oh, Schitt's Creek, for example. Schitt's Creek has fantastic queer representation. Uh, I'm a queer person, so seeing that, um, the way that they portray those characters not to spoil anything but it I mean I I cried watching this show it's Schitt's Creek why did I sob at Schitt's Creek (laughs) because it was it was really important I'd never seen anything like that um on tv before and there are so many things where I'm like man I wish I had seen this when I was a kid or I wish I knew that this was okay or that this was normal um and so I I really would love to be that for other people um and for, I mean, I have a little brother. I want him to grow up seeing positive representation, no matter what he, you know, decides to do with his life or, or who he is or what his identity is. But I, I just, yeah, I, I, a lot of times I wish I had grown up with more of that because I think it would have made a huge difference and impact. And it does. I, I see it making an impact with young people or it makes, makes an impact with older people. It doesn't really matter where you're at, but seeing stories that reflect you on screen, um, they really matter because life imitates art and art imitates life. It goes both ways. I think that's a really great and positive note to end our conversation for today. And before we head off, do you have anything you want to plug or share or promote? 
Sure. Um, <laughs> well, Gilded Age is coming out on HBO on January 24th. And it's 10 episodes, so it'll be it'll be a weekly thing. Um, I believe it's coming out on HBO Max. Uh, so yeah, you can watch that. Uh, and then another HBO show called The Time Traveler's Wife, which I'm in uh, a few episodes of, is coming out sometime in the spring of uh, 2022. I don't have a date for that yet, but it is it is happening. <laughs> That's awesome. All your hard work is culminating into it. Yeah, it's it's wild. I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm, I'm really proud of everyone involved. Yeah. Thank you so much, Taylor, for being here today. And thank you for having me. This is delightful. Yeah, I really, I really, I was really excited for this episode because I don't know too much about the filmmaking or acting industry. And it just has always been a very fun and I don't know, fun and like, I don't know, entertaining entertainment industry. So it's nice to like learn more about what it takes to be an actress and a filmmaker. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thank you to our viewers too. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to hit the thumbs up and comment and subscribe. And if you're listening to this on any other podcast streaming platform, make sure to follow and hit the thumbs up if you can. Um, And happy new year, everyone. This is going to be our last episode of 2021, which is kind of insane to say. Crazy. (laughs) But yeah, wishing everyone a happy new year, healthy 2022. Okay, great. Oh, I really forgot. I we do this thing. Okay, I'm really bad at this. I don't even know oh, if I will edit this part in, but we do this thing where we end each Zoom episode with a high five to the camera. So kind of- oh, oh, well, we've got to do it. Okay, ready? <laughs> Three, two, one. Three, Boom. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Thank you again, and see Thank you next so year. much. This is so fun. I you have great questions, great thoughts. This was lovely. I feel like I want to do the opposite for you because I want to hear about everything that you do. But um, <laughs> I don't think I'm as interesting as you are. No, I, I am so bored with the acting thing. I want to learn about everything else. <laughs> That's so funny. And don't forget to check out Anna Luisa's 10% off sale and up to 60% off last chance items using my link in the description below. And we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye.